Welcome to See Uncovered, a place where you'll find the stories of proven entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ashley Henschel. Marks Group, author, as well as weekly columnist for Forbes, entrepreneur, The Hill, as well as host of Thrive, a podcast by Paycheck. If you want to keep up with Gene's columns, podcasts, and interviews, you can follow him on Twitter at Gene Marks. Thank you for being on, Gene. Uh, thanks, Ashley. I'm pleased to be on. Thank you. Of course. I wanted to start back. Can you share a little about who you are and your background? Well, you did a really good job of summing it all up. So I'm not sure what more I have to add, but I, yeah, I'm a, if you haven't um, figured it out just by looking at me, I'm a CPA. Um, I uh, run a company outside of Philadelphia called the Marks Group. We have 10 employees and about 600 clients and we do financial and technology management consulting. But like you said, I do a lot of writing. Mm -hmm. So every week I write for the Hill, the Guardian, the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Washington Times, Entrepreneur and uh, Forbes. Uh, so, and then I do, you know, a lot of speaking as well to industry trade groups around the country. So all I cover small business, mm -hmm. small business and public policy. What sparked your passion for writing? So I was the, actually, I was the editor of my high school newspaper. Okay. So impressive. Um, and I loved it. And then I did it for a couple of years in college, but then I took a junior abroad and fell apart. For, I always like to write. Mm -hmm. And, um, so for a number of years running my business, um, I was not doing any writing other than business writing, but I, um, um, it, it, it became therapy for me. I, I, you know, I deal with a lot of small and mid-sized businesses, have a lot of stories to tell, a lot of advice to give, and really kind of no place to give it. And um, so I said, you know, I, I'd love to write about those experiences. So I applied to a bunch of different places, like wrote, pitched a bunch of different places, and finally got the opportunity to write a column at the Philadelphia Business Journal, and that got me into writing. And um, and I love it. I mean, I get up every morning at five in the morning and I write for a couple hours. I look forward to it every day. And um, usually it's like the only thing I accomplish for the rest of the day is actually just doing like, you know, a column. So I feel good about that. Pieces, um, what are they centered around? Small businesses, entrepreneurs? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll it, it's small business. It's small business. And, and you know, the, what I do is um, I bookmark and I have people in my company that help me, you know, um, uh, bring to my attention or bookmark me just stories going on in the world about small businesses. And I am a small business owner. I sign business, you know, payroll checks. I, you know, we have a lot of clients. I get yelled at a lot. I get disappointed a lot. Um, I get lied to a lot. Um, so I have all those, you know, all those issues. So, um, you know, everything that I cover is about small businesses. Um, you know, again, public policy, technology management, stuff going on in the world, and frankly, how they affect me. You know, and I figure like, well, they affect me. They're yeah. going to affect other business owners. So, how did you start the Marks Group? Um, I spent nine years as a senior manager at KPMG, mm -hmm. um, and then I was a controller at a publicly held company. And then uh, it was my father who enticed me to leave that and start up my own company, the Marks Group, with him. Um, and my father had was developing the world's worst accounting software at the time. Um, which was ultimately rendered useless in the year 2000. Thank goodness. So we were able to expand into other services. 
But um, my, my father passed away in 2005, but I, I started the Marks Group back in 1994. Really, I'd always wanted to be in business for myself um, and doing something you know, on my own. I was never a good employee at companies. I love my time at KPMG and recommend anybody, even if, if you want to go in and start your own business someday, it's having big company experiences. Is, it's just, there's nothing that can replace it. Um, and I can't say enough good things about KPMG, but I, I, I always knew I wanted to do something on my own. Yeah. What is the process to help business owners understand the trends that may affect their company? There's there's no like specific tools to identify trends. There's just resources and keeping your eyes, you know, open. And I when people always ask me, I speak uh Ashley to, to a lot of trade associations, really boring, unsexy associations like tire distributors and corrugated container manufacturers and, you know, all, all those types like blah, but they, um, but they're like the core of American businesses. And, you know, and, and, um, and I'd like to talk to them about, you know, what's, what's coming in the future, what trends you should be keeping your eyes on. And, you know, to answer your question, um, it's it, to, to identify those kinds of trends, you really have to be active in your industry because it really is about your industry. I mean, if you are a main street retailer, you're in retailer. If you're selling tires, you're in the tire distribution industry. If you are, you know, a, you're a landscaper, there's a landscaping industry. So the best way to really identify what's going to impact you and your, your business is to be active with your industry association and to have colleagues in your industry um, that you can be sharing ideas with and, and talking to. Do you have any networking tips um, for small businesses to learn tools? Yeah, I mean, there's it's a combination of online and face to face. Nothing really beats face to face, you know. But at the same time, you know, the, the online tools themselves are are excellent. Um, LinkedIn is really you know a great tool to use. I mean, I love that. Um, but you know, it, when it comes to networking, it gets back to the association. You know, knowing people in your association in your industry is really good to network. If you're going to go to any kind of uh, public networking events, you know, you're in your local area. That's all fine as well. But my advice, whenever I've gone to those, and I have to tell you something, actually, I'm really not very good at them. Um, all I can do is, is, you know, there's some people that work their room, man, like they are like politicking for office. Uh, and I'm just like, not that guy. And I always just go with low expectations. I'm like, you know what, if I can meet one or two nice people, um, that's all I really care to do. And and I think, I don't know if you're asking me my advice. So my advice is is have low expectations and low, you know, few objectives. Um, to, to go in there and you, know, you want to just try and you know, meet a few nice people when you go to yeah. these networking events and you never know what that turns into. You don't have to be the life of the party, in other words. I wanted to right. ask, from your perspective, what do you see as the biggest mistake that small business owners are making? There's a lot of mistakes that business owners make, but I guess I can put on my my accounting hat um, and, and talk a little bit about cash and a little bit about math. Um, people think that running like a small business is a romantic thing. And it is not a romantic thing at all. You know, it's a pain in the ass. It's dirty. It's, you know, it's, it's sometimes it can be very frustrating. Um, so anybody who learned that, you know, my wife, she started a nonprofit like two years ago. She was a school teacher for a number of years. She's doing great with the nonprofit, but she is turning into a hold a cold, hard, cynical person in just the two years, you know, like she's, had, you know, you learn that, that when you're out there running your, nobody in the end really cares about you. You're, you're on your own. You know what I mean? So I think a mistake that people make is um, when they start a business, when they're running a business is that they think that people really care about them. And, th- and that's really not the case. Um, you know, you got to care about yourself and look after yourself. 
um, you have to look after your cash. You, I mean, you can't run a business without, you know, without cash flow. And it's very, very important to do that. And that also comes down to math, um, Ashley. I mean, I just, people that like, they're like, oh, it'd be so great to start this business and we're going to change the world and it's going to whatever. And, you know, that that's, you know, my most successful clients, Ashley, are, are people I know that can buy something for a buck and sell it for three. You know, and they know all of their costs. They know their overhead. They know their margins. Um, they, you know, when they're talking to a customer, they've calculated in their mind how much money they're going to make off of that customer. It's it's money. It's yeah. money. Um, and I, I don't think you should be shy about that or be ashamed of that as well. Make money in your business because that's what will keep your employees employed and yeah. will sustain you and give you a livelihood and pay for your kids to go to college. So. I just think some people just make the mistake of not paying enough attention to cash or being ashamed about, you know, about making money in their business. Nothing wrong with that at all. Do you have any advice for small businesses looking to grow? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I do. Actually, when I was with my dad back in the day, you know, the world's worst accounting software, (laughs) um, he um, it was just him and me. And we were always, you know, button heads, love the guy and all that, but we were, you know, it was whatever. And, um, you know, right around the time when he died, we, I did the service, he did the sales and I did the service. We were selling like accounting software. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, the biggest change in my life came when we hired our first employee, you know, and, and I'm not saying that like, listen, we only have 10 employees. So it's not like I'm running some giant, everybody makes their decisions, how big they want to be, but if you want to grow, you need to hire. You know, you need to either you know bring in contractors, outsource to people, freelancers, or um, or individuals. You need to say to your when something needs to be done, the first thing that should come into your mind is who is going to do this for me? You know, and I I meet too many clients and too many business owners that they just get so buried in their own bullshit stuff going on that they have to get done that it's all on their shoulders and all in their head. And that's not, you know, Ashley, in your company, you know, you're the face of it. So whatever minutia is going on during the day, you need to find somebody that does it for you. Um, You've got to be out there talking to new clients, involved with existing clients, thinking strategically, being, you know what I mean? You got to free up your mind a little bit to do that. People want to talk to you as the owner of the company, not, you know, you know, not somebody else. And you've got to make yourself available. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a great piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be present and you got to, you just, you can't be afraid to bring other people along. I'll never forget when I brought Maria on, she was our first employee. Um, she like took on work. And again, you feel so reluctant giving up the work and you, uh, you know, you think, Oh, my clients are going to be so upset. Whatever. You're not that important. Get over it. You know, you know, she did a great job. She picked it up eventually. And then suddenly I'm like, holy mackerel, I can spend you know more time developing new business and working on other projects and having some good FaceTime with clients rather than my head being buried in their computer screens. It was just um it, it was to grow your business, you need to you need to hire. When you were building a team, were you looking for different individuals with certain skill sets that would fit your company's <laughs> model? How did you determine who would be the best fit? Um, I hire people based on who can make me the most money. It's really it. I mean, you know, I mean, everybody's nice. And um, obviously, I, you know, I don't want to hire, you know, a homicidal maniac, you know, or, or anything like that. But at the same time, um, to me, it's all skill set. So if I, uh, you know, I'm looking for somebody who's got the skill set that I can pay them, 
you know, hundred bucks an hour and bill them out for 200. You know, that's, yeah. that's who I look for. Um, I don't have any inventory to sell, Ashley. I just, we're a service business. Mm-hmm. So um, my people are my inventory and you know, I want to keep them busy and productive and happy and challenged. Um, and I want to make money off them. So that's how I hire. Yeah. How important is financial literacy in terms of business and personal life, would you say? Eh, it's not important at all. I mean, you really don't have to know what's in your bank. It's fine. It's cool. You know, it's it's just money. You know, somebody else will take care of it for you. You know, it's no big deal. It, it, it's huge, obviously. And it's yeah. um it's it's uh running you know, I, I mentioned earlier about people that have been able to sell something for a buck, you know, buy it for a buck and sell it for three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the end, running a business is all about math. Yeah. And, you know, even though I'm a CPA, I'm not even that great at math, um, which is why I'm, you know, you don't want to hire me to do your taxes. But um, but I have people that help me, you know, and like good, smarter, smarter people than me. Uh, but I can read a financial statement and and I, you know, I do understand a bank statement and cash flow. It is it, it's fundamental to be able to understand numbers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you're a business owner and you're like, oh, I don't get into the numbers things. I'm more of the creative, you know, type whatever. That's fine, but I really hope you are paying somebody to look after the numbers for somebody who's got to be financially literate in your company because yeah. you're running a business. It's not a, this isn't a hobby and it's not a play thing. It, it's a business. And again, I get, you know, if, if particularly if you have employees, people are relying on you mm-hmm. to look after yourself here. You know what I mean? So if you're ignoring your financial statement and you go out of business and people lose their jobs because of, you know, you being an idiot, you know, or you're not, uh, you know, you're, you have customers and, and partners that are relying on you. Mm-hmm. So you got to have financial literacy. You have to understand how to read a financial statement. And, you know, at the very least, at the very least, recognize if you don't, if that's not your strong suit, pay for somebody, get a professional to, to do it for you that you trust that you can work along with. I've seen that you've written quite a few books. Can you share um, a tip from your favorite one or one of your favorite tips from your books? Yeah, I have written, yeah, I've written like six books mm-hmm. and sold about eight copies. So, um, so that no, I'm just kidding. Um, all on different, you know, types of topics, books of lists and, and, you know, whatever I, um, I have a book on my most recent book, um, is called want more cash and it's uh, more than a hundred strategies and advice and tips for improving the cash flow in your business. Mm-hmm. And it's a real penny pincher look at, you know, at, at managing your cash. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I will. I'll, one of the one of the strategies that to me, you know, managing your cash flow is all about the details. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, a couple things that I've learned, like just this morning, um, I have a, a friend of mine who I do videos with. He runs a little a video company um, right near me, um, and they're really good. And yeah. I've been doing a lot of virtual presentations for him because of COVID and all of that and you know, whatever. They're a nice studio. Anyway, like. I just got like six invoices from the guy for presentations I did back for him, Ashley, back in August, you know, yeah. and I, right. And I, and I think to myself like, dude, you know, what, what is going, you know, and I'm actually going to email him and be like, you know, Hey John, this, you know, not, not for nothing. He is a friend of mine, but like, you got to get him. I'm like, you know, I do a presentation on a Wednesday. I should be getting an invoice on a Thursday. I mean, there's email. You can send it to send me a PDF, have it set up and, and pay, um, and then you'll get the cash in your bank. I mean, yeah. think about all, you know what I mean? So, you know, cash flow, you know, invoicing right away, making it easier for people to pay, accepting all forms of payment. I have a rant in my book about uh, companies like restaurants that don't accept credit cards, which I think is absolutely yeah ridiculous. 
Um, and I think that people, you know, I go into some, I don't know, you must see this as well. Like you go into different places and they'll, they'll, they'll charge you a surcharge for using your credit card. Good for them. Fair enough. Okay. Like, you know, give me the choice. If, if I, if I'm going to use a credit card and I see it's 3% more or I prefer pig, I have a choice, but yeah. don't just tell me I can't use a credit card. I have to just pay cash. You know what I mean? So all of that hurts cash flow for businesses. Um, particularly, I mean, so many companies, so many retailers and restaurants struggling to turn things around. How are you turning customers away because they don't spend a minimum of cash? It's just crazy. The emerging thing is Apple Pay now. Correct. I, I so there's Subway. You could just use your phone with Apple Pay. It's been so much easier. So much easier, and Google Pay, and and keep an eye. Actually, people will be paying with cryptocurrencies yeah. within the next few years. I mean, Apple Pay. You know, I realize that's a it's a volatile thing right now, but it's becoming much less and less so. And like, if some customer walks into my shop and says, "Hey, I want to pay you in Bitcoin," and I'm like, "Oh, I don't accept Bitcoin, man," you know, it's, it's yeah. like, what the hell? You're, you're like turning away business. So invoice fast, make it easy to pay, and accept every form of payment that's out there. And don't give me any baloney about the credit card fees or whatever. There's there's ways around that. One final thought on the credit cards. This is in my book, as you asked. Wow. So see, this is your punishment for asking me. Oh, I um, love but one it. of the yeah, one of the things about credit card fees is that even if you don't want to pay a charge, a surcharge for using your credit card fees, if you get with your accountant, you can easily figure out your overall overhead and what your credit card fees are as a percentage of your overhead so that you could increase prices on your products by like you know, 20 cents for, you know, for you know, your per product or five cents, like a 3% or 5%, just bake it in. Your customers won't even know. They won't even care. To pay, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I go to a deli and I get a chicken salad sandwich, and if it's seven dollars and fifty cents or seven dollars and seventy-five cents, that's not gonna change my butt, right? Yeah, you know, so you can cover it, and then I can use my credit card and buy my salad, you know, my, my my sandwich from you. So anyway, those are the kinds of things I talk about in the book. Well, lastly, what's next for you? Are you working on any projects? Um, any anything coming up that we should look out? Yeah, for? I do. I do. There's there's a couple things that I'll keep in mind. Main thing is this: I just um, you know in October um, I'm launching a new series on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. It's a video interview twice a month with business book authors. Oh, so uh, it's called Biz Books. Um, I, I I love to read and um, I love to listen to podcasts, and there aren't that many podcasts out there about business books, you know. And so it is. I've already done two interviews already. Um, you know, one with with a guy named uh, Chris Mims, who wrote a book on um, the whole um, supply chain. He's a Wall Street Journal tech reporter, and he 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 basically followed through like a USB adapter that you would buy, like a charger on Amazon. He basically followed that through since the beginning of time, like how started all the way to what got to your front door. And Ashley, you don't even want to know the journey that these things take. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So I found that very interesting. And then I had another interview with a woman named Pamela Slim, who's like a marketing expert. We spend almost an hour just talking about their book wow. and the concepts in the book and what they're saying and what they can learn from. It's a video conversation on Zoom like we're doing now. And it is a, um, you know, it, it's it's been fascinating. So just launching that in October and I hope to continue. I'm really just excited about it. It's a lot of fun uh, to do. Yeah. Gene, I thank you again for being on CEO Uncovered. I love learning about you and your writing and your background. Thanks for listening to CEO Uncovered. 
You can check out more at www.createeveryopportunity.org. Thanks again.